Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I love Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video. Can you call it coverage? It's for the Boston Celtics. But right now, like, I can barely watch, John. I'm falling. I'm not really falling asleep, but I, they're really just not holding my attention. And here's the thing. In years past when they've been losing, you know, you're, like, gleaning something about the team or whatever. And honestly, it really just comes down to effort on the defensive end. Like, when was the last time we saw a game where the Celtics had a flurry of turnovers leading to fast break points or just those energy kind of moments that picks everybody up. Dude, this team is gassed. It might just be mental. It might be COVID. It might be the injuries. It might not be having, you know, their uh, inspiration in Marcus Smart. You know, we know that Kemba's a great locker room guy, but he's not a vocal leader, not in the way that, like, a Kevin Garnett. So when they get down and they lose their energy, like, who are you calling on? On this roster to pick them up. And honestly, John, I'm going to blame the fans. <laughs> the fans? Yeah. Oh, the, man. The lack thereof. I honestly feel like the this like these young players, when we had energy in the house and, you know, maybe they started a run, they fed off of it because they didn't have that leader. They haven't for quite some time, honestly. If you really look at the roster makeup, like they had fun guys like Ennis Cantor, you know, and and Isaiah Thomas was probably the last. I mean, I would consider him that way because it was when you saw him just do what he could do. Like, how could you not be motivated, you know, as a player around him and his infectious energy? And, you know, and Smart was still part of that, too. And you had Jay Crowder. and There were some dirt dog types. And, um but even then, you know, they still had a lot of success. And, you know, I think I think that just the lack of fans with the grind of the schedule the way that it is, with them being a little bit younger, with the injuries taking their toll, I think that's all adding up to just, you know, mentally they're not able to dig as deep as they need to. 
um, you could disagree. That's good. no. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, I think that I think that there's a part of that uh, that's true. I, I think that there's. I mean, look, they they played without fans in the bubble, so um, yeah, you know, could this firm. could that have helped them get I, through? I, I thought about that. I thought about that. But it yeah. was short term. It wasn't a full season. They were going right into the competitive games, and everybody needed an outlet for the mental frustration, you know, of having been kind of like, like, you know, I think it was easier for them to to get up and want to go. And then now that they've got to go through a season grind to get to the games that matter, and you still have that bubble environment, except you don't even really have the bubble environment, too. If you think about it, you know, they're traveling. They're still at home. They have the grind of life. Um, there's something about the bubble where they kind of escaped a little bit of that. It was almost like they were on vacation. And now it's like a job again. Now the games don't matter yet, you know, the same way it did in the bubble. And, you know, I think it's just harder to dig deep. I really do. Well, um Maybe, possibly. I mean, I think that there's, I, I think that there's, there's a, a very good explanation for a lot of this. Um, you know, that in in a in a vacuum, um, you know, <laughs> without some of those other environmental factors, um, things aren't looking nearly as bad as they are right now, right? But the fact of the matter is, they do. And the problem that you see is there's really the only respite right now is there's going to be a, I think a five day break, um, you know, coming up here uh, next week. And that will help a lot. I think that will probably provide a, a mental break that this team needs. I mean, they and smarts coming back after that. Sure. Sure. That will help a lot. Um, I, you know, these, the second half of these back to backs that we've had seemingly, if not every week, every other week in, you know, from, from the time smart got hurt until now, um, you know, those, those are killers because we just don't have the depth, uh, in the backcourt and, and really Teague being a walking corpse, uh, has not helped that fact. Do you you put that as like one of the biggest, like, it's definitely the biggest disappointment. There's no doubt. Um, but Which do you part? Put, <laughs> All Teague. Of it? No, Teague. Teague specifically being no, such an enormous... No, I don't think that's enormous... the biggest disappointment. Not at all. No. Oh, you think there's other bigger... Dis... So, to me, that's one of the biggest disappointments because, you know, you're getting a player who... Or, you know, heading into the season, you were getting a player knowing that the Kemble Walker injury was, you know, gonna, he wasn't going to see the floor for a time and you were still going to be managing things. And so you kind of wanted, and we talked about offense for that bench unit. What was the drought when Atlanta took the the twenty point lead tonight? I think it was like a five minute drought or four and a half minutes without yeah, scoring. Something like I mean, that, this yeah. is these those are old world problems. That's not these are the moves we made during the off season. Like we addressed rebounding, but we got more defense out of it and some put back offense. Like. For all intents and purposes, and I and I think even on the floor this year, Tristan Thompson is you know an upgrade over Ennis Canner. Um, and then, but but Teague was the piece. Can we have somebody who can come in and 
really, you know, manage the off. Like they literally, I know we're recording this in the fourth quarter because it's just useless to even watch anymore. But they just showed a clip and it was T getting stuffed going to the rim. It was so funny. It was like they were listening to us. And and it's like I don't even understand. Like you would think that you would think that if he was having a bad season, it would be some bad games. With some good performances. The only good performance was game one. After that, atrocious. He's a corpse. He's bad. He sucks. Like, I, I'm not trying to, 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 like, you know, really. I'm not trying to hate on the guy. I'm really not. I'm just saying. No, he's no, just, no I'm not. He's it's not. Just, I'm not. You know, but I'm no just good. saying. He's not but, contributing okay. anything. Yeah, right. And I think that the, that's the, like, I, I'm willing to look at, like, the bright side of just about anything. I really am somebody who's generally pretty optimistic about a lot of stuff. And I get, you know, a lot of flack for that on the Twitter, but, but look, Teague has not been good. He has been a net negative. So after from game two and on, um, he has provided nothing, 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 nothing. No. And Uh, you look at Mike Gorman, you know, saying that the team, you know, I know a lot of it laid at Tatum and Brown's, you know, feet, where they're all not playing it. like a team and moving the ball. Yeah, all of it. But he's putting all of it on them. Yeah. But the thing is, is they really just don't have a distributor, you know, and 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 somebody who can facilitate the offense. And I'm not saying Teague wasn't that style of player anyway, but when he can't get that offense, like they they're so shorthanded, as you mentioned, in the backcourt and guys who can direct the offense well, with smart and and does this clarify the question cuz everybody said let's see how they're going to be with smart out uh does that clarify the answer to that question I mean in part yes and in part no I mean yes smart covers up a lot of ills that the team has but well what it shows is that the other guys need to have a little bit of Marcus Smart in them as well yeah you totally. know I mean that's I think that's the biggest takeaway of Marcus Smart's absence is it's not that Smart has it and they need him. I mean, to me, I always I always knew that. That wasn't a surprise. The surprise to me was nobody was really trying to fill that void in the same, you know, taking a little, as to Gorman's point, you know, taking a few less points to make sure that everyone gets a chance to touch the ball. Everyone gets a chance to, to, to be a part of the offense. Um, that's... That's a maturation process that that I don't think Tatum and Brown were prepared for. Uh, I don't think, and I and I'm not I'm not getting on their case for it. I, a lot of people are gonna sports radio. It already has. I'm not. That's not my my view. My view is that I you know I think that those guys are 22, 23 years old, and when when <laughs> when Paul Pierce was in that spot, he also struggled. And now he's as beloved a Celtics player as anybody. Um, you know, it takes time to figure out how to run a team. And those guys have never been in that position to be the guy. You know, they've just never they've never had to be in that spot. So I, I'm willing to see them see that through. Um, but I think that there's there's other questions in the short term uh, that you got to ask about. You know, the players. What do they What do they want? Can you get what you need out of this bench? When do you make a you know make a make a move? I mean, look, there's a chance after tonight's game, Miami's playing, Charlotte's playing, and Chicago is currently ahead. The current the Celtics entering tonight were in sixth place. By the end of the night, the Celtics could be in tenth place in the East. They're before tonight's game, they're three games back from the fourth worst record in the league. Now I'm not saying this to get on their case. 
I'm just saying, look, it's, it's bad. Everything, but everyone's bad. Everyone's in the middle, but this can go from, you know, middle to, okay, now we need to change our focus. And the bench that this team started the season with was a bench for the fourth worst record in the league. You know, they may have two all-stars, but they have a bench that's, you know, comparable with those teams that you and I, when we started doing this in 05, 06, 07, that this bench looks like those benches with Orion Green and, and Gerald Green. And I mean, all these, you know, we've got two lottery picks on this bench. We've got, you know, late second rounders. They're trying to figure it out. That's not the bench of a contending team. That's just that that's not what that is. But we're in a necessity because of what happened with Gordon Hayward and because they're really were left flat footed on 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 the uh, the way that that went down. And thus, we have a a, a bench for the lottery. Um, and I don't know how that's I don't really think that's going to change, although I do think the additions of a couple guys could really make a big difference. Um the Celtics, the starters have got to show they're, that they're worthy of that, you know. And this group of starters has not done anything in the last two weeks to show they're they're, they're worthy of going out and using draft capital to get a player that might get them four or five extra wins and maybe in another round in the playoffs. I'm mad. So yeah, <laughs> well, you should be mad. You should. We be all mad. should be. We all should. Yeah. Be. So, um, like, I mean, is a trade going to fix it? Because that's, you know, we've been talking about that and talking about it, but I'm just not sure that a trade's going to fix it. Are you? I mean, look, it's not, I don't think a trade fixes it. I think, I think that there are multiple trades to be made, uh, around the edges, um, I mean, look, let, let's look at what this team is, right? I mean, you've got two point guards, well, three point guards on this on this roster right now, the 17-man roster, who I don't think I don't think they're part of the Celtics' plans long term, right? I'm talking about Teague, I'm talking about Carson Edwards, I'm talking about Tremont Waters. Those are roster slots that could be used for other other positions, other other opportunities on the roster. Um, you know, we talk about going small. They always want to go small. They don't have any players to go small with. Who, who are you going to put in? <laughs> you know, I mean, who's who? You know, you're going to take out Tristan Thompson and you're going to go away from two bigs and you're going to play who exactly? Grant hasn't covered himself with any glory. And maybe that's maybe he's got to work that off. But, you know, to me, like there's there's a glut of centers. There's four centers on the roster. There's three sh- there's three point guards that really are not part of the Celtics team. That's that's seven players who are not among the mix. And I'm not even talking about Marcus Smart. I'm not talking about Peyton Pritchard. I'm not talking about about uh, Kemba Walker. Um, you know, I just I feel like there's a glut on this roster um, that is part of the problem. I think you know Brad is fighting against a roster that doesn't fit the way he wants to play. Um, and I think the injuries have only exacerbated those problems for sure. Um, you know, but I, and I, I don't think that they've, they've got like bad players everywhere. I think that they're, I think Neesmith Smith could be a player. I think Romeo could be a player. I think it's you know, the inexperience, dude. It's and, the and inexperience. Rob, bingo. That's the problem. They need vets and they need vets who will call out players. Like if, if Mike Gorman is right 
and those stars are not moving the ball and they're not passing, they need vets who will call the stars out on that. Uh, I think that's probably why Tristan Thompson's here, personally. I think that's partly why Evan Turner is on the bench here, is to be that sounding board and be in their ears. But is it working? Not right now, certainly. No. Well, and you don't have as much clout when, you know, and this is more to the Teague factor, but he should have been one of those guys. And he's got no clout because he's not contributing anything. So it yep. becomes an even exactly. bigger issue. Yep, totally. Totally. He, he, You know, if he's the – I have no problem. I mean, look, they're paying him $2.5 million. This is not like a an MLE signing. This is not a – you know, even a five million dollar signing. This is two and a half million. It's barely above minimum. So we're not talking about somebody who's bank, you know, breaking the bank for um, the Celtics here. But the problem is, is that because he, I think partly because they really didn't have much for camp. They don't. They don't. There's no. He looks like he's not a part of this team. And maybe I'm wrong. We're not in the locker room. The the you know the the press is in the locker room. They really don't know how these guys get along. But it doesn't feel like he's part of anything here. Um, I think Tristan Thompson is working. I think he's talking. Yeah. I think he's he's trying to be a, a, a positive force here. Um, but I think that you know part of that problem is is roster construction, um, and and there's just limited options for that to work itself out. And he wasn't healthy and blah 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 blah. I don't really. It doesn't really matter. But but Teague, you're right. Teague. I don't think he's that veteran voice. Who's like, hey, this is the way it's got to go. I mean, you know who I think would be would be amazing in that role for this team? The guy we played tonight, number nine, Rajon Rondo. That I think he's the guy that this team really could use right now. Um, I don't think they're going to get him. Uh, but there also is another part of this, which is how much of this leadership situation is about Brad Stevens. Right, Brad Stevens has always said, you know, he expects everyone to be a leader. He doesn't believe in captains. Okay, that's fine. I, you know, I'm not. But I always felt there's this weird leadership dynamic sometimes on this team. Uh, you know, there aren't veteran assistants from other teams that come in. Ron Adams was here one year and gone. Um, it just seems, you know, Walter McCarty's not part of it. You know, with some teams, you know, they, they add the veteran on the and they, you know, they're in guys' ears or whatever. Evan Turner certainly is part of the Brad Stevens system, so it works. Um, but it doesn't seem like Brad buys into that idea. And I just wonder uh, how wise that is right now. Um, whether or not that they're getting enough of the right type of, of people in their ears about how to really succeed uh, in this league, I'm just tired of seeing things like, uh, you know, other players grifting and, and seemingly finding ways to do things that are successful everywhere else in the league. But our guys just don't seem to know how to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm just tired of seeing a guy like Trey Young with all this crafty stuff uh, get away with who knows what night after night. And our guys just don't have a clue. Brad, Jason Tatum should live on the line, and, and he's taking fallaway jumpers in the lane. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with going into the gym and working on skill. That's about, you know, someone being in someone's ear. It's about really working 
and and watching tape and and what type of player do you want to be? Um, I, I yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Rah. Rah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. I mean, it's it's hard to watch, you know, and that's that's probably the the worst thing, you know. And you're right. Tatum should be going stronger. But here's the problem, too. They don't get calls, man. Nope. And, like, you look at that comeback um, victory – or, yeah, the comeback victory. That was Atlanta, right? They were down 20-something, and they came back and stole the show in overtime. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I know they beat Atlanta, but – No, 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 back, no. Yeah. Of the three games, I think Atlanta beat us – on a huge comeback game. Wasn't it Atlanta where they came back and then it went into overtime and they got away with it? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. The it's been that right together hasn't now, even been honestly. that long. It's that bad. You don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So so anyway, uh, what I'm getting at is, you know, the Celt- in the third quarter of that game, it reminded me of playing Toronto uh, last year in the bubble because it was like – the the NBA wants it to be close. I mean, the problem is, is like every time I focus on that, I get all pissy. You know, I get I get pissy on Twitter. I start acting like a little bitch. It's just ridiculous. But I'm like, but I hate it. I hate it because it doesn't, dude. It's bad when you let the. Of course, the other team's going to be the aggressor. The problem is, is that the Celtics never like punch back and. They go through these droughts where they can't get anything to fall through the cylinder, you know, and it's right there. Sometimes they're really good looks, and it's not like they're missing wildly or way off. It's just not quite getting there, and it's just – it's really unfortunate. We saw it against Atlanta tonight. I mean, when they were trying to come – I mean, really all night. I mean, there was – they were having some really rough luck, you know, and when things are going bad, those shots just don't fall, right? I mean – there's a lot of stuff that they're good shots and they're just bouncing and around and out and rimming out. And I mean, <laughs> you just, that's everyone who's ever played knows that happens, you know, at times when, when it's going bad, when it rains, it pours. Right. But no, I, I agree. I mean, there's, there's something to that, that, that the officials don't look at us the same way they look at other teams. And I don't know why that is. Um, you know, the, the Brad Stevens, um, haters would say, you know, Brad's not on their case. He doesn't play the game. He doesn't, you know, get an official's bat, you know, and, 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 you know, cause them to call the game differently like Nick Nurse did. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's true and what isn't true. All I know is it doesn't feel like the Celtics get, get the same whistle everyone else does. And, why that is, I don't know. I mean, part of it is Jason Tatum fading away instead of going to the basket sometimes. But honestly, when he goes to the basket and doesn't get the call, it, doesn't make, it would make me want to go back to the, you know, and get hammered and, and just have a turnover. You're not going to be rewarded. I mean, how long right. was it? Like, look at them night in and night out, you know, on the, they're constantly like, you know, tapping their forearm, like, hey, come on, contact, contact, and they never get it. And, and, you know, Jalen is somebody, especially now, should be getting more. He should be getting more of those. He's hit a certain point, you know, in his career. He's on his second contract. And the truth is he does take a lot of contact. That guy doesn't just fall down for no reason. 
and it's brutal. I mean that, and I'm trying not to be whiny about this, but it's brutal. It really, there are nights where I just can't, I can't even watch the game anymore because I find it, you know, so incredibly annoying. It's yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I think, um, I think that we are probably in a spot where, uh, if I'm the Boston Celtics, I'm looking at the league office and saying, why, you know, why, why is it that we're always in this spot? Like you said, we got Jalen Brown is going to the hoop, going strong. He's not always getting the line. Um, so I think that both things can be true. I mean, there's a thing where, you know, I think the, the less aggressive team sometimes doesn't get calls. So that could be, the, that could be part of it, but I, I think that there's, there's a, again, it's like, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems with that. And, and, um, I don't know how they fix that. I don't know how they, I don't know how you, how you, how you change that narrative, but it certainly doesn't seem like publicly it's something that's something the team talks about. Brad doesn't complain about officials. So the team doesn't complain about officials. So there's no sort of media narrative to push back against the fact that the Celtics seemingly don't get a good whistle a lot of the time, you know. Um, it's got to change, but it's it's only one part of the puzzle, right? It's like there's so many pieces to this. I mean, Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge built this team, right? Danny Ainge has had, uh, you know, and you know I've been a staunch supporter, still am. But, you know, they he put them in a spot where these young players had to succeed. And now the question is, you know, can they afford to let these young players play much longer? Could they lose more? Um, I'm not saying losing wins and losses. Can they afford to end up end up as a team that goes to the fourth worst record? What does that do to Jason and Jalen? Um, you know, <laughs> there's just, there's a cascade of effects from this to have a team that's that bad. But can they afford not to make, trades to add veteran pieces um i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is i mean in 07 the issue was injuries pierce pierce gets that uh um staff infection of sorts and that pretty much changed the whole course of that season uh i don't unless let's i don't want something like that to happen in this instance but uh that's really uh, the only thing that would maybe preserve some sort of uh, positive aspect if, if it did go continue to go this poorly. Uh, but the, I don't, I also think that there's, there's, I think they have good rookies. I think they have uh, a good rookie contract guys. I include Rob in that. Uh, I think that they have star players who can play. I think they have Kemba Walker who looked a lot better over the last couple weeks. I think Rob, you know, I think, Tice can play. I mean, Smart's coming back. I mean, there are players. The players that got to the Eastern Conference Finals are still here. So if you can add to that with a Harrison Barnes, an Aaron Gordon, uh, you know, pick your choice, you know, a, a Larry Nance and a, and a, and a uh, Terrence Ross, you know, if you get two guys or something like that. I mean, if you add a couple guys, that does help. That that does put this team into a different category. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, you know, as looking at the GM aspect of this, would I rather have a high draft pick and really add that third guy who could be, you know, the next guy or use that pick with the TPE and get Bradley Beal? Um, that would put, certainly put them in that conversation. 
Uh, I'm not sure they are in that conversation this summer, even if they want to be. I don't. You know what I'm dangerously afraid of? Honestly, I think that that TPE just slips away. No way. No way. You think they can afford? You think they can afford to let Gordon Hayward go and get nothing for it? Yeah. Well, no, they can't. They can't. They can't. But they can't. But Danny's not going to do something stupid just to just to not look stupid. (laughs) The deal still has to be there. It still needs to be a legit opportunity. And that's that's where I think I don't know. That's where I'm concerned. I'm concerned that maybe maybe it's not going to work out. Honestly. Well, I mean, you're right. I don't. I. But can they afford not to? I mean, really, can they afford not? But it to doesn't. It? It's. But that's. Yeah, they can if there's no good deals. That's what I'm saying. But, but the problem is, is that that's that's been the argument the last two years. And what that has turned into is a bench full of rookie players because they have too many they have too many draft picks, you know, and they don't they aren't able to turn them into veteran players because Danny isn't willing to pay that price. So maybe Danny needs to reconsider what the right price is for a veteran player. I don't know. I I've always been an in Danny I trust guy, you know. I'm just saying it seems like the cost to get a guy is a hell of a lot more than it ever had been. And and maybe the value doesn't work itself out in the long run. It certainly didn't. You know, the Celtics were smart to not trade, you know, a whole, you know, treasure trove of picks for Jimmy Butler or, you know, Paul George or whomever. They were wise to, to stay out of that mix. But in, in the interim, since, let's say, 2019, right, when they've had, you know, a couple of years here with multiple draft picks, They've stocked up their roster with younger players, and they haven't add, added veteran players to supplement what they've had. You know, and now we've seen veterans walk out the door. I mean, I'm not going to get on the case of like a Mook Morris or Terry Rozier because I understand why those guys didn't come back. Um, but the losses of of max contract players, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward, that's that's. For, for seemingly nothing. Um, and I know that's not true because, you know, so they got Kemba Walker back. They can't afford to give that up with the TPE. You know, that's that's a loss of talent that I, um, even if you're not getting Gordon Hayward level back, you got to get at least, you know, 20 million back of, of a player who can compete at an average level. You know, because what we see right now, there's just too much riding on, your star players, and we're going to burn them out before they even have a chance to go on that long run that you and I have been talking about for so long. Mm. It sucks. I mean, there's, I, I, I mean, yeah, there's an argument you made to hold on I, to the TPE, I, so but let me you've ask got you this. to do something around the edges. You got to do something with, with the Cantor, you know, TPE. You got to do something with the the Poirier. TPE. You don't um, have to do anything, but it makes you sense. You do. That- you do because the, the team is is a cluster right now. The team is it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't fit. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I, I get it. Everything. I get it. You need to do but, something. Right. You don't have to, and just because you yeah. need to, and you don't have to, doesn't mean 
that it's available. Like, let me ask you something. Do you really want to like, I wouldn't mind packaging, you know, future, future picks with something necessarily, you know, because they're going to be tied up on salary anyway, but you're going to need some of those picks over time um, to get some people to fill some stuff in. But get, let me asking you, do you really think that even if they get those pieces, that this is a legit year for them at this point? I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know what is a legit year. I don't. For, I don't know for anybody. It's a legit year. Like, I mean, I think we're everything that could go against them this year pretty much has gone against them. You know, I mean, their best player got COVID. Their their third best player uh, is is a thirty year old point guard whose knee, uh, you know, is hopefully getting back, but we're still not there. The fourth best player blew his calf out, and it looked like it was an Achilles injury. Um, a good part of their big man rotation missed a week because they were close contact for Tatum. Um, you know, Brown had, you know, that's Brown what I mean. Carried an incredible burden. In that when do you give up on the team when that. they've given up on themselves? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just I, the problem is like it, it's just everything that has gone could go wrong for them has. So yeah. they do have a chance to hit the reset button. And because I don't think playoff seating really matters, home court versus not, 20% of an arena being full, whoop-de-doo. Um, I think that the most important thing is you get, in the, you get into the playoffs and you find a way to um, hopefully match up with the right team. Um, you know, you get the sixth seed instead of the – you know, the, I don't know, or is it better to get the five seed instead of, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, who knows? Who knows? Now, the the schedule gets busy in the second half, but the Celtics play, like, a crazy amount of home games. They have a 13-day stretch where they have seven home games in a row. Um, they really have two two road trips. One's a pretty nasty five- and seven-day trip and the other is a three day out west to play the Lakers and Denver. Um, but apart from that, they're home a lot. They play really bad teams. Schedule is favorable ish. Um, but you know, you need smart back. You really need smart back. You've got to add some veteran pieces that you can count on to who your young players will trust. And then your veteran players, your, your I mean your your star players have got to try to grow that leadership gene a little bit more. They've shown what they can do as the, as the guy. Now can they, as the guy, bring up the others around them? And I think they can. I think they can do it. Um, I just they're, they're getting different looks, and I think they've got to find a way to work off of each other a little bit better. I, I just I don't know that that's Brad. I don't know if it's them. I don't know what the situation is. But to me – Having Tatum feeding off Brown and Brown feeding off Tatum would, I think, work a whole lot better and look a whole lot better rather than having on opposite wings and kind of my turn, your turn stuff, which uh, it worked in Miami for Wade and, and LeBron. But uh, I think now you got to be pretty experienced at taking. Yeah, you got to be pretty experienced at taking a game over if you're going to do that, you know, and they're not. And the one thing that I'll say, and then we got to wrap this show, but like the one thing I'll say is that they, um, 
you know, they've been surrounded by other talent and they have had some veteran depth around them in the past. This is the first time they haven't. And you look at every other young star in the making, you know, they all have to have some pretty sucky years with their teams to figure that part out. There, There is a chance or there is something to be said. We've been promoting how beneficial it's been for these two to have been on teams that have gone in the postseason. They see what it takes and they see what it takes. Maybe we're maybe we're proven a little wrong. And what they didn't learn was all the things that people used to criticize Brown for. And they'd be like, well, you know, of course his stats aren't as good. He's not the A option. You know, he's like way down the line. And, you know, his stats, you know, maybe would be higher in this and that in some areas anyway, totals, if he had, you know, to carry the team at a young age all on his own and figure it out. Right. And they got stripped of that. So maybe we need to suffer through this. Maybe that's part of the plan and why everybody's backing each other top to bottom over there. I I think that's absolutely the case. I think you're absolutely spot on about that. There's there is something that Trey Young and Luka Doncic have been able to do by playing on bad teams uh, through the last three years that and think Jason about the Tatum traject- and, and Jalen Brown just haven't. And think that about matters. The trajectory, it, but but think about it this way: the mo- the trajectory when you are up high, what is their trajectory right now? They're not trying to climb up the standings like Trey. And right. it really influences not only the expectations, you know, of the city and the franchise and the league, nah, 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 but even the expectations that you put on yourself. And so their trajectory is downward, dude. And so is going to be their attitude until they figure that out. And now, they're not going to figure that out quickly. Yeah, no, I, no, it, no, they won't. This is the hardest thing to learn, I think, yeah. is to be the guy. And know when to go, when not to go, when to pass and when to drive and when to shoot and when to do, you know, I think that's that's the hardest thing to be the man and to and to lead. Uh, I mean, (laughs) to reference Kyrie again, I mean, let's remember his phone call, right? His his comment in Orlando, you know, I had to I had to talk to Braun and apologize, you know. I think that there's some truth in what he said in that, hey, I got to learn. I had to learn that humility. I had to learn what it takes. Now, he never showed he applied that either there or – But he still acknowledged the dynamic. Exactly. And he also started at the top – well, except for year one, started right. at the top and then went on a downward trajectory, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, I think that – no, I think you're absolutely right. The one thing I would say is that – when Tatum and Brown are in that experience of, of being in the playoffs, I have a lot more faith in them to get to where they need to go um, if they can figure this how to close out games thing out. Well, they still have the things um, that Trey Young doesn't have, right. right, which is the experience in the postseason. Exactly. Extensively. So yep. if they can figure this out pretty quickly, it ought to match up well. The biggest thing is, though, their play and their style of play does they do need to figure out they need to figure out how in the hell they're going to start getting the officials to call mm-hmm. stuff their way 
they've got to get those contact calls, and that might just be time. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. they've got to figure that out. I mean, look, Trey Young is he's running a master class out there right now. Um, you know, he's he's right out of Juilliard with what he's doing. Uh, you know, it's 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 taking this stuff and moving it to another level. I'm not sure that they're ever going to get to that level, but they got to be able to do the things that your average star uh, wing can can pull off. I'm not asking them to be Harden. I'm not asking them to be Trey Young, but they need to be able to pull off the types of things that you know the the stuff the that LeBron stupid shit that I, I hate, not, like that fake yeah. head. The, the yeah. little, oh, I'm not even actually shooting the ball. I'm trying to get a call. I hate that. Right. I think it's cancerous for the game, honestly. I think it is, too. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's got to change. And, you know, the, the three-point line is it's more about acting than it is about actually getting the shot up and getting a good look. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not good for the oh, NBA. Oh, the drama, though, John. The drama. Yeah. So good. So good. I'm all set with that. I don't but, even like it when the Celtics do it. Like, I'm not saying. But they don't. I mean, really. I, I mean, they don't start, really. A little no. bit. Kemba, a little bit, but not. But even when they do, I don't does. like it. I, it yeah. annoys me even when my own team does it. So. But when you got to do it, I mean, that's, you know, either you. No, that's what makes it so annoying. That's exactly what make that is the essence of the annoyance is what you just said. Yeah. When you have to do it, no, no, that's the part that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, I no, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it's, the it's, league it's, is encouraging it. Surely, because yeah. you said the way that you said that. That's what pisses me off because you have to do it right. Because if you don't, you're not going to get calls. You've, you've got to bait them into it. And then, oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're getting to a point now where they're baiting you to getting in, like, the whole airspace call was, you know, related to injuries. Kawhi, right? Who did, who land, when did that really become a problem? It was a spur. I'm almost positive. Was uh, it Kawhi? Somebody in the first round of the playoffs – no, when it really became like very soon after that, that became a point of emphasis, and it was after Tony, I think. It wasn't that long ago. That's why. Well, I, was, I mean, there was the whole I, landing in having the the ability to land. That was when Kawhi turned his ankle. Yeah, that's what um, I'm talking about. It because was because of it was um, positive Zaza Zaza Pachulia. Right. Zaza, Pachulia, and and Kawhi. That was, yeah, I knew I had. I was close. That was when it got out of hand because now everybody's just looking for you to land in their airspace. So I, I can't remember what game it was in the last, It was I think it was within the last two or three weeks, and somebody moved forward into the defender so that they would land in their airspace. And I'm sorry, if you're going straight up and down with the shot and somebody's in your airspace, by all means, call that a foul. I agree. We don't want players rolling ankles unnecessarily. But when you do that stupid-ass pump fake just to get the contact, and then they don't really set up for the contact the way you expected it, and then you jump forward into their body, yeah. and that turns yeah. into a foul and it's related to airs Like, dude... That shit is grinding on me. It's <laughs> it's really like over the last year or so, it's really starting to grind on my ability to enjoy the game. Well, we had like, two fouls. Times, 
there yeah. are several times in the last two weeks where I've right. been like, do I really enjoy this game anymore? Well, we had there were two of them that affected the Celtics. I mean, last night against D- Dallas, Brunson uh, launched himself into Kemba uh, to try to draw the foul on the three. Uh, Kemba took they they called it a charge, um, but you know if they if Kemba flops in that instance and there wasn't a foul then there's they can get the ball back and so it becomes this whole thing and then and then on Sunday against the Pelicans of course there was that situation where Kemba gets fouled you know behind the three point line but he's passing and because of that it becomes a, a jump ball because they said he didn't have you know, possession. I mean, the NBA just needs to get its act together with the three point line. Like it really, I, I'm not, I'm it's not disgusting. an anti three point line guy. I'm not against three pointers. I'm not against, you know, it moving in, in, in trying to create an open spacious game. I'm all for that. But if you're going to call those types of fouls there, then call them the same way in the paint. And you can't, you can't do it. So there's got to be some consistency. I'm all for maintaining someone not getting hurt. You know, I don't want people to be stepping under and turning ankles and all that. I, I think that's bad, bad stuff. But changing your direction and launching into people or somehow uh, being unable to, uh, you know, when you go to the paint and you can get bumped, but you don't get the call. And, you know, Jason Tatum knows all about that. Jalen Brown knows all about that. I mean, Tristan Thompson is getting abused over this last week. No oh, calls. dude, not just the no last calls. week. That's another one that's been pissing me the fuck, pissing me off because, um, because, dude, that's been happening all season. Yeah. The over the back and, and he's been pushed too, like oh, yeah. several times because he's so strong. They can't move him. And, you know, the calls that he was getting in Cleveland, he's not getting here, and he's more of a vet now. Right. Right. It's it's obnoxious. And I don't know what has to happen or how you change it, but this is a team thing. I don't know if this is send a, send a video to the league office or what it is, but it, <laughs> this isn't just me being Tommy Heinsohn here and saying, like, you know, it, it, they're, they're against us. But they really – it really – I don't think we get a. I don't get a. Think we get a fair whistle. I really don't. But it's <laughs> to go back. You know, just a bit though. The the league has to change how it how it views those things. But if if the league isn't, then the, the Celtics have to change, right? Yeah. They've got to they've got to meet that to, just so they can be as competitive as as everybody else. Um, because the stuff that I mean, Trey Young is basically a missile. You know, he's yeah, he's can shoot, but if you're anywhere near him, he's gonna launch himself into you and then shoot the ball. And it's like, this isn't even basketball anymore. It's I don't even know what it is. Um, so I, I you know, I'm with you. I'm it's 100% the WWE, dude, and that's what I started text. Yeah, it's like you know what's funny. I'm gonna say this last thing, and then we we'll close the show because I'm exhausted, and they put me to sleep tonight again. And but. Here's what happens. Like, I'm good for it. Maybe three, four times a year on Twitter. I'm watching the game. This comes up, right? And I just, I finally hit my breaking point again. And I'm like, dude, I cannot take watching this sport right now. It's disgusting, you know? And Mm -hmm. I get so frustrated. And then I just leak it all out. 
over Twitter, and I think to myself, this is literally what I think to myself, I wonder what Jeff Clark thinks of me right now. <laughs> what would Jeff Clark do? <laughs> what would Jeff Clark do? For real, dude. That's what goes through my head. I'm like, he's probably unfollowed me by now. You know, like, dude, come on. You know, and because he does a good job of staying level with it all. He recognizes it. He's not blind. Right. But he does. But I actually like legit get worked up about it. Like it ruins my night sometimes. And I'm like, why am I letting this ruin my night? It's ridiculous. It's a sport. It's a pastime. It's something I enjoy. But I think it's because um, it's it's because it doesn't encourage the passing and all the things that I love about the game and the things that I think Tommy Heinsohn loved about the game. Like, and I'm not trying to blow that, blow it up, but I think that's part of the reason Tommy would complain. Now he's been complaining since the game was something I liked better, you know, but, uh, but I love, I love good solid defense. I don't, I don't even mind if it's a more physical game tonight than it was last night. And I'm not saying that's what it was with Atlanta. I'm just saying I get from night to night, depending on the crew and the vibe of the game, that sometimes they're going to allow more contact than another time. But it's it, but it's the charade of it. It's a mockery of the game, and I think that's why I get upset about those. Those are the triggers that make me go, dude. I can't, I can't stand this. And it, but it does. It legitimately puts me in a bad mood. It's the stupidest thing. It should never let that. I should never let something that I enjoy so much put me in a bad mood like that. It's stupid. It's my bad. But when you say things accurately, that the Celtics have to adjust and figure out how to how to perform that charade at the three point line to be able to win games. It, it really bothers me. It crawls right under my skin, and and just like corrodes my insides it just bothers me to no end um yeah i agree i i mean i i I don't i don't feel that as strongly as you do um but i definitely i i get i'm frustrated at the inability for the team to compete at the same uh it's like they're playing a different game you know that's that's what bothers me well they are right now they're shying away it, but right. that's my but that's my point. They didn't get the calls because they're not they really aren't doing the acting. They're not doing a good job of acting. <laughs> right, right. That's true. That's true. Well, look, I mean I think we're I think we're just at a point now where um yeah. We just got to ride it out. We all need the five the we, five we, day break. By we, the way, this time every year this happens to us this time of year, every year. You know, the team gets on a little bit of a skid heading into the all-star break. We get a little worn out with winter. We're ready for some sun, you know, and uh, the whole seasonal effective thing hits us. Like, we're right. good for at least two of these this time of year, every single year. I mean, I mean, look, we got, we got one more week. We got four games, Pacers, Wizards, Clippers, Raptors. And, uh, you know, that Clippers game obviously is uh, going to be a challenge. Um, <laughs> well, hell, I think all of them could be losses the way they're playing yeah. right now. Yeah. I, well, I, just, I don't I know, know what's like... around for them. I mean, they, they don't have an extra day off in between any of these games. 
Uh, and Kemba will play in all of them, which will be a big help. I think we clearly see that yeah, not having Kemba is a problem. The in, the out, the in, the out, it's brutal. Yeah. They 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 need they need they need smart they need Kemba they're only gonna get one of them for the next four games. Does uh, Kemba do this for the whole season until the postseason? <laughs> there is a postseason. Well, right. um, yeah, I mean I think that's what they said is they're gonna try to go through this throughout. And, it, and honestly, I don't I think they can weather that if they have one of those two guys. But to have, not have either one on that second half of back to back is it's just been a killer. Yeah, um, you know, and if your star players are gassed, and I think they do look gassed, they that, totally look gassed. Too. I mean, <laughs> they it's just a brutal do. schedule right now. It's a brutal schedule. They they're having to shoulder a lot. You, you know, the injuries have the continuity of the lineup, dude. And the lineups are just weird. They're so weird because they don't have the right mix. You know, they got those three centers and they got, they don't have enough wings and they got, you know, Jeff Teague, who's, you know, um, I actually think the problem is less the wings. Like, and I know that that's been, you've said that all season long, but I, I seriously, I feel like it's the guard play. I mean, Peyton Pritchard's a godsend, but even if, I mean, you just, even even when Smart was healthy, I just felt like Smart winds up playing the wing anyway, right? I mean, point guard. I, I I should probably clarify that. Who you know how? That's why the Hayward thing worked worked so well, better than we thought in a lot of cases because they didn't have that guard depth, you know, behind Kemba. Yeah, but I I don't Byron. think you know Wanamaker. What a loss he was. Well. He'll be available at the deadline, by the way. Um, they should I, bring him back for continuity. But and like he is strong. Yeah, but it's it's. I guess my. I would I would say that yes, they were short at the at the point guard without Kemba, right? But it's also like Smart was trying to do that and the other thing at the same time. You know, he was trying to wear too many hats. You know, you get Kemba back. Now you know you, if if. You know, Smart can do those 10, 15 minutes a, a night at the point guard spot, you know, or, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a combo guard, you know, next to Peyton Pritchard or what have you. I mean, everything kind of falls in place a whole lot better with Kemba back. You know, it puts, I just, you know, without, if, if Kemba was not here, but you had, let's say Romeo Langford, you know, and you could trust him to play 15 minutes a night. To be, you know, maybe you get ten points out of him some nights. Some nights it's four, but you know you can count on those fifteen minutes a night from him. Then you aren't worried about Smart having to cover one extra slot as the wing and the team's point guard. Um, so I, I think to me it was it's 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 doubly difficult, you know. But now you'll you know presumably Romeo would be back after the break too. So it could be a completely different team in two weeks. Boy, would it be nice to have Romeo back. All right, I'm toast. I'm toast. Two weeks. We got one more week of this. So let's let's hope Hang they can in at there. least finish strong. Come Hang on, Celtics. There. Jesus. Dude, if they got if they could even go two and two, I'd consider that strong. Uh, and and just so we're caught up on on what I was talking about earlier, um, Miami is winning. 
Charlotte, uh, Chicago is up by six in overtime with a minute and a half to go. Uh, Charlotte is ahead by two points. Um, they're still in the third quarter, but uh, by the time you guys listen to this in the morning, it's very possible Celtics are in 10th place. So, Holy crap. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> As a reminder... You can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. And you can follow Justin. Follow Justin. You can follow John at CSL underscore Duke. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. You might not want to right now, but you could if you wanted to. (laughs) And it's a heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And as always, we'd appreciate a rating and a review. And your feedback is important to the show. And on behalf of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thanks for listening to this week's sulky-ass edition of Celtic Stuff Live. (laughs) 